Hello, and welcome to the Calvary Road Baptist Church Podcast. I'm Pastor Paul Shirley, and I'd like to thank you for taking the time to listen. Each week, we will be releasing sermons and studies delivered directly from the pulpit at our church. Our goal with this podcast from Calvary Road Baptist Church is to make the gospel and sound biblical preaching more available to a wider audience. We hope that these sermons will be a blessing and an encouragement to you each week. As the scripture reads in Psalm 119 and verse 116, Uphold me according unto thy word, that I may live, and let me not be ashamed of my hope. Now, let's hear from God's word. Never a bad thing to revisit salvation. Amen? It's never a bad thing to consider the salvation of God. And uh, this morning as I, as I began to study and look, I thought I would probably go back into the book of Isaiah chapter 55. There were some more thoughts later in the chapter I want to look at, but the Lord drew my heart away uh, to a different place this morning. I had this thought written down. Actually, uh, you all know that I've been doing a series of uh, devotions on, on uh, Facebook from the book of Proverbs, and this was one I had written down to look at uh, later on. And by the way, uh, the devotion did not go up on Friday because apparently it hadn't finished uploading when my house lost all electricity. We had a big, we had a catastrophic failure of the electricity at our house, and we're without power and will be for a few days. Um, I won't go into all the details, but you know, the, the house did not burn down. Thank the Lord for that. Amen. There was no fire. Uh, there just also was no electricity, and the uh, electric company came and cut the wires loose from the house, said, y'all got to get this fixed. There was a failure in the meter, uh, and without electricity, there was no internet. And without internet, there was no getting that video all the way uploaded, uh, so it didn't finish, and also I can't access my computer, so I couldn't get it without packing up my computer and taking it somewhere, so I'll have that up to you, God willing, Monday, if the power comes back on. Uh, but uh, Proverbs chapter 11, there's a, there's a verse I had written down to look at. Uh, and it is one that is often quoted, but when it is, we usually only really reference the last part of that verse, which is common in the book of Proverbs. It's like, there's a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. That's only half that verse. And, you know, there's all kinds of things like that and, uh, where we will, we will remember half a verse here or there. But in this verse in Proverbs chapter 11, verse number 30, we're going to read one verse this morning and ask the Lord to speak to us concerning this thought. Proverbs chapter 11 and verse number 30 says this, and if you... If you underline or highlight things in your Bible, you ought to underline this verse. It says, The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he that winneth souls is wise. Now, like I said, often you will hear that said, he that winneth souls is wise. But this thought is presented together. Amen. Uh, This proverb we're given, and we're given that word that ties it together there with what comes before and these things go hand in hand. So I want to look at this today. When I read this some time ago, uh, just in a morning devotional or something, I underlined that verse and I, I wrote down a little thought beside it, uh, specifically to look into that thought of the fruit of the righteous being a tree of life and how that is an interesting thing to say. And as we're, you know, we're here now 15 or so days, I guess it's the 15th, isn't it? 15 days into the new year. And uh, it's our custom Uh, at least in our country, and I guess across the world, when the calendar rolls around, that we look forward, right? We might spend a little bit of time looking backward, but then we look forward and we say, well, this year I want to do this, or this year I want to do that, or I want to stop doing this, or 
whatever it may be. And, and the idea of that, that's often mocked in things today, but the idea is to be better this year than we were last year, right? And I think that is an important goal to have. Uh, not necessarily as a New Year's resolution, but just as a Christian specifically, we ought always to want to be better. We ought to always want to be growing and improving. And as I read this verse, this commonly quoted verse that many of you could probably have spouted that, if, if I said, can you name me a soul or a verse about soul winning? You'd say, he that winneth souls is wise. It's just the most commonly referenced. We, we hear it a lot and we think about it. But I want us to look at it this morning and consider this thought of the fruit of the righteous. The fruit of the righteous. And I'll give you a couple things by way of introduction, but before we dive into that, let's, let's have a word of prayer and ask the Lord uh, to help us with this thought today that it, would, that it would sink down into our hearts. Amen. I'm going to pray and ask the Lord to bless the message. Let me encourage you to pray with me and ask the Lord to speak to you with this message. Amen. I'll say this, sometimes you come in here and, and the Lord's given me a thought like I was saying the last few weeks about salvation. I'm thinking, Lord, I don't know exactly who this is for this morning. But I can tell you right now that this, this message the Lord's led in my heart is for every one of you. Amen. If you're saved today especially, it's for you. And if you're not saved, oh, it's definitely for you. So it is for every one of us this morning. So let's pray together, if you will, and ask the Lord to speak to our hearts today through His Word. Our Father in Heaven, Lord, we sure are thankful, God, that You've given us this place to gather in Your name today. God, I thank You, Lord, for the songs that we've sang God, for the words we've already heard, Lord, I thank you for the prayers that have been lifted up by Brother Jason, Brother Marty, and those in the Sunday school hour as well, Lord, for the lessons, Lord, for the Word of God that's been opened in this place out of the King James Bible and presented to your children. Lord, I'm thankful today, God, that you've given us this place to gather in your name, around your Word and your Spirit. God, I pray if you would, Lord, for just a little bit here today, that you'd help me to present your Word truthfully, help me to present it clearly. And I pray that its word would sink down into our hearts today. God, I pray that your spirit, Lord, would be amongst us. Lord, that you'd fill me with your spirit. God, that you would touch the heart of every man, woman, and child that's here today. Lord, that we would be moved by the word of God and by the Holy Spirit of God. Lord, we are in a great need today, and that need is to hear from you. God, we're in a great need today, and that, is, that need is for you to put your hand on us and to move us and to make us into what we need to be. I pray, Lord, there'd be not a stubborn heart in the house this morning, but that we would all be sensitive to the Word of God and the movement of the Holy Spirit. We love you. Speak to us, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he that winneth souls is wise. Now, when I consider that phraseology of the tree of life, I cannot help but immediately go to the book of Genesis, right? And how that in the Garden of Eden, chapter 3, we read that in the Garden of Eden, after Adam and Eve had sinned, that the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become as one of us to know good and evil, and now, lest he put forth his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. And he went on to say that they were going to put them outside of the garden. And he is talking about an actual physical thing called the tree of life. But we are not referencing the tree of life in Proverbs chapter 11, verse 30, but rather it is a tree of life. So the tree of life is a specific tree, whereas a tree of life is, by way of reduction, first, it's a non-specific tree. 
It is a non-specific tree. It is a type of thing that is being described. That same tree of life is referenced in Genesis and Revelation. Chapter 2, verse 7. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith in the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. That is a very specific thing, that the fruit thereof gives eternal life. Now obviously there is a, there is a parallel there between the Lord Jesus. We can see that because He gives eternal life. But the tree of life was an actual tree with fruit, the same way that the tree of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil was a tree with fruit. And if they partook of that fruit, they would live forever. And the Lord did not want them to partake of that and live eternally with sin inside of them, which is why He put them out of the Garden of Eden. That is not what's being described in Proverbs chapter 11. It is not a, a, you know, a supernatural tree by God in a, in a crazy, awesome paradise place that we can go to and find. This is something that is being produced according to the verse by the, the righteous. The tree of life is the fruit of the righteous that we're looking at here. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. It's a non-specific tree. It is a now saved tree. That's what it is. It's, it's the picture of someone being saved. In Psalm chapter 1, verse number 1. Y'all know the first psalm, so you can probably quote all six verses. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. Verse 3. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf, his leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. That compares a believer, the righteous, to a tree planted by the rivers of water. You see that? In that passage, we see that the tree is the righteous. They're one and the same. And in Proverbs 11.30, it tells us that the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. Philippians chapter 3, verse 8, to give you a New Testament comparison, a New Testament light there. Paul said this, Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. And be found in Him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. Now we looked a little bit more deeply there at that thought of the righteousness by the law on Wednesday night in the book of Ephesians. But the reason I want to read you that verse is this. We say, well, who is the righteous? Well, here's the truth. None of us are righteous. Our righteousness, according to the Word of God, is filthy rags. That means the best human being who ever lived is not righteous in the eyes of God because if we have done one sin, then we have become altogether dead in trespasses and sins. That's who we are. So who is the righteous? Well, Paul said, it's those who have received the righteousness of God by faith. You see that? So who is the righteous who is producing fruit in Proverbs chapter 11? The only ones who are righteous are those who have had the righteousness of God, like Abraham did and like we do, imputed into their account by their belief and faith in God. We were just singing, washed in the blood. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. You know what that means? Without faith in God, I am only ever going to be a wretch. There is no amount of good living 
There is no amount of uh, charitable giving. There is no amount of walking the line and speaking right and acting right, dressing right, and going to the right places. And as the Bible says, selling all that you have and giving it to the poor, none of that will ever make you righteous. The only thing that makes a person righteous is faith in Christ Jesus. Period. And then they become a saved tree. This tree is non-specific. It's not the tree of life. It's a tree of life. It's a saved tree. We can see it in Proverbs, or excuse me, Psalm chapter one. And, and again, we understand our righteousness is imputed. And then we see it as a scattered tree. This is all just quick introduction. But here's what I want you to understand: trees are only reproduced and created by other trees, right? Now I'm talking about physical, actual trees. You got an apple tree. That apple tree grew from the seed produced by a other, another apple tree. Right. I mean, that's just simple, right? We understand that. But how does a tree do that? Here's the truth. You don't see apple trees. You only got an apple tree on your land or, or had one growing up, been around one, or any kind of fruit trees or anything like that. They don't grow two feet apart from each other, do they? And that's when the apples fall, they don't fall far from the tree. There they are. So how do they get spread around? Well, God has designed that. Wind. Wind will carry seeds from trees that will pollinate and spread trees and other plants. Animals. Pick it up, pack it off, pass it on, and there it is, and it will get into the ground and grow a tree. Amen? Earlier this year, it's not a tree, but uh, we were, I was out, there's a little spot of, it's grown up around a light pole or a power pole on the, on the side of the very far end of our property in Greene County, and it's grown up with just weeds and everything, and I'll go through and cut it down a few times with a, with a weed eater. You can't mow over it. And I went over there about the end of the summer last year, and there was something growing in there, and I didn't know what it was. Turned out it was pumpkins. Now, I don't remember throwing rotten pumpkins in that place. We, you know, we might have a pumpkin around, around the fall season or two around the house, and when we get rid of them, we usually pitch them across the road, just in a ditch, you know, and they just, there they go, or something like that, you know, because they're just going to fall apart and disappear. So I didn't put any pumpkin seeds over there, but suddenly we had a vine growing pumpkins like crazy. We had like 15 pumpkins growing in that patch of weeds, okay? How? It wasn't me. It was just that the seeds, they scatter. That's what they do. A tree produces other trees by scattering, but here's the thing about it. The tree can't do it by itself. It cannot do it by itself. That tree produces the fruit and drops it, but in order for it to get to where it needs to go, something or someone has to come along and take that seed and get it where it needs to go. Animals or wind or people, whatever it may be. And we're talking about physical, actual trees. And so when we consider that, it is a great picture of God's plan for us because the only way that we can produce fruit as trees of life is that us working together with God and with others. It can't be done on our own. I cannot produce fruit of my own volition and power. That's why Paul told them, and he said, you know, you're arguing over whether you were converted by Paul or Apollos, but the truth is we water and we plant, but it's God that gives the increase. He said we can't do it on our own. The only way it can be done is if it is scattered abroad with the help of God, right? So, so I'm not putting an overemphasis on us as trees of life, 
But the plan of God for the spreading of the seed of the Word of God is with a collaboration between God's people and God Himself. That's His plan. That's why why the Lord Jesus came and walked with those disciples for those three years and taught them that so that then they could go on and teach others. And that's why Paul told Timothy, and that's why he kept telling them, those things you've heard of me and other witnesses, go and teach others. That's the way it works. We work together with God to produce fruit. So the tree of life, we understand, it is not a specific tree, but it is rather trees produced by other trees that are saved trees and scattered abroad with the help of God. Now, let me focus in on this thought concerning the fruit of the righteous. Because we understand now that the righteous is not that person who is so holy that they just live perfect. Because that's not righteousness. That is pleasing God with your life. That is producing holiness in your life with the help of God. But that doesn't make you righteous. The only exclusive thing that makes you righteous is faith in Jesus Christ. Period. Amen. That's why the whole idea of self-righteousness is hilarious. Because in yourself, you have no righteousness. Your righteousness is His righteousness. The fruit, first of all, concerning the fruit of the righteousness, I want you to see first, the fruit is a tree. That's interesting, isn't it? Because we think about a tree producing the fruit. You get apples from trees and, and all those things. But in this verse it says... The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. Here's what that means. The product that God intends for His children to produce is not an apple. It is what that apple produces. That apple, we think about fruit, I think about apples and oranges and pineapples, mango, bananas. I love fruit. My wife doesn't like fruit at all. She likes apples. She's not in here, so I won't say anything too bad. She likes, she likes apples, okay. But like, she's like, fruit's gross. Like, there's something wrong with you. You know, your parents failed you, I guess. I don't know what it is. But I love fruit. Amen. I, I mean, I love all that, all that sweet stuff, and it's delicious. And there's nothing like fresh fruit, right? Around fall, everybody goes to those orchards, and they get barrels of apples and different things. And that's different from what you get in the cold aisle at Walmart in the middle of December, right? It's different. That fresh fruit, man, it's something about it. But the fruit of the righteous is not an apple. Because that apple is intended to give, you know, the thing that it does for me right now is it gives me a short burst of pleasure. I get to enjoy the taste of this delicious apple. The fruit of the righteous is not an apple, but it is what that apple can produce. That apple is the seed. That apple was produced by the tree, which is to lure those like us and other animals to eat it, and then use us to go and deliver that seed to other places. That's the way it's, that's what it's meant for. I'll eat an apple with my son. I'll eat it down to the core. You take that core, and that core has all the seeds in it. And that's what you need to plant apple trees, that seed produced by, apple, by apples from apple trees. But the fruit that God intends to produce is not that apple. That's just the first step. That is taking that seed out into your hands. What He's trying to produce are... Trees of life. Why? So that those trees can then go on and produce their own fruit, which would then go on and produce more trees. Does that make sense? The comparison is pretty pretty clear, pretty easy to see. The fruit is a tree. Here's what the Lord said to His disciples there in John chapter 15 
as he was giving a lot of his final words before he would go to the cross. He said this in John 15, verse 16. You've not chosen me, but I've chosen you. This is after he told them, you are my friends. He said, and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit. Look at this. And that your fruit should remain. You See that? Y'all ever bought apples? And you, you put them in a basket or whatever on the table? They don't remain for very long. It won't be that long before they'll get them brown spots on there. And you might eat it, but you've got to cut that out. Or you take a bite and it's, it's all mealy. You know what I'm talking about? Like a mealy apple. And it just, it just doesn't sit right with you. Well, it didn't remain. That apple is not fruit that remains. That apple is the seed. The fruit that remains is a tree. Trees outlive us. Trees are strong and mighty. Amen. They're hard to destroy. I mean, they are strong and they are planted and they take a deep root and they remain. That's the point of a tree. It's to remain. And so when Jesus said, my prayer is that you would not only produce fruit, but that your fruit should remain, He's not talking about apples. He's talking about trees. He's talking about something that has some roots that is real and that was deep. Let me, let me hurry through this thought concerning the fruit is a tree. I want you to see the sustenance of a tree. What is it? that gives a tree life. It is water and sunlight. Now, those of you who are Bible students have already gotten way ahead of me on that thought. What is it that gives a spiritual tree life? It's the same thing that gives a physical tree life. It is water. As Jesus told that woman at the well, He said that, uh, that he, was, he could give her rivers of living water. In John 7, 38, He that believeth on me, as the Scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. What did the psalmist say in Psalm chapter 1? He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. A tree's got to have water to survive. So in order for a tree to be a tree of life, it's got to have the water of life. And the only way you can get the water of life is by Jesus, who is the water of life. He gives that drink of living water that creates in us an unending supply of living water. That is the sustenance of the tree. What did the Lord say in John chapter 15? That same chapter to those disciples. He said this in verse 4. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. Now that is a, a different comparison of that vineyard and that vine and the branches but it is the same concept, and it's this. You can't do anything without the Lord. The only way that a tree is alive is if the Lord is in it. Can I tell you this? There's been a lot of people who brought forth false fruit. A lot of fake conversions. Sign your name here. Join the church. Let us baptize you, and you're good to go. It is a false message. Amen? That removes the actual truth of salvation, which is by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, right? With a heart man believeth unto righteousness, with a mouth confession is made unto salvation. There have been a lot of people who have been told if you give enough to the church, you'll make it into heaven. If you live, you know, if you're, if you're a good person, one day you'll stand before God and, and your good will just have to outweigh your bad. All of those are lies. And they may produce a tree of some kind, but it is not a tree of life. Because unless we abide in Christ and He in us, there is no life and we can do nothing. Be a, here, let me make this clear. 
I, I, I want you to be a member of Calvary Road Baptist Church. But being a member of this church will not get you into heaven. I want you to come to church and, and be here and, and sing with us and worship with us and, and listen to the preaching. But being here and listening to the preaching and singing with us, and none of that will get you into heaven. The only thing that, that actually creates a tree of life is if the Lord Jesus is living in you. And that only happens by grace through faith. Amen. John 9 and verse 5. The two things a tree needs to survive, the two absolute, absolute things it's got to have is water and light. Where does that light come from? Well, Jesus said, I, as long as I am in the world, in John 9, 5, I am the light of the world. Jesus is the light of life, the Bible says. That's who He is. He is light. So the only way that a tree can be a tree of life is if it has the sustenance of a tree. And that sustenance will sustain it forever. And that is the Lord Jesus Christ. The service of the tree. What is the purpose of that tree? What is it, how does it serve and what does it do? Well, in our lives, in our world, physically, trees produce oxygen, which we need to live. Trees are sustained by light and water, and trees sustain the life of the whole world by producing the oxygen that we need to survive. The same is true spiritually that God is serving this world by growing trees of life in people. Here's what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. Ye are the salt of the earth, but if the salt have lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and be trodden under foot of men. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Now someone might say, but I don't understand. Didn't, didn't you just say that Jesus is the light of the world? But in Matthew, Jesus said, ye are the light of the world. How does that work? It is Christ in us. I already told you, the only righteousness that we have is the righteousness of God imputed through our faith in Jesus Christ. Just as it is His goodness in us that makes us righteous, it is His light in us that produces good works through us. Does that make sense? So the service that we're giving to the world is that we affect the world with Him by being saved. When we're saved, our lives reflect Christ and they give something to this world that this world cannot live without. And that's light. A world that becomes completely swallowed up in darkness will incur the wrath of God. Look to the Scripture. Look to the Scripture. Look to the account of Genesis and how that God created two humans who were all light and then they consumed darkness and became darkness. And then they went out in the world and they produced a generation and another generation. And then just a few generations removed, the Bible said that God looked on all the earth, and the hearts of men were only evil continually. And what happened? It repented God that He had made the earth. And what did He do? He sent a flood to destroy it. Now we know that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And by one man and his family, God chose to save humanity. But God looked at a world with no light going out and said, 
I'm going to destroy it. When God looked at Sodom and Gomorrah and He saw how absolutely it was a, it was a microcosm of the wickedness that filled the world in Noah's day. You understand? It was a picture of the whole earth and God looked at it and said, well, I said I would never flood the earth again, and, but this city is so wicked, I'm going to destroy it with fire and brimstone. And then Abraham pleaded with God, well, what if there's 50? What if there's 40? What if there's 30? What if there's 20? What if there's 10? And God said, if, if there's even 10, I won't destroy it. What happened? He destroyed it. Because it was overcome in darkness. So why has God planted trees of life across the earth? Because without His light shining through us, the world would become overtaken by darkness. I don't know if you know this or not. I'm sure you do. But you are, Jesus said, the light of the world. Now, Jesus said this in John 1, as long as I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. And we said that he's saying in those three years when he was serving in that ministry capacity, he was going to shine as bright, brighter than anyone had ever shined. Then, one day, not too much distant, he was going to ascend into heaven. And when he did, his physical light would not be here to shine. Instead, he would abide in us and we would be His light going out, right? That's what we would be. He is the power of the light, and we are just the method of getting it out. That's what it is. And so what you need to understand is this. We talk about that light of the world, let your light shine. And it even says that men would see your good works, and they would glorify God, which is in heaven. But here's something you need to understand. You, are you saved? If you're saved, raise your hand. If you know, brother Paul, I know I'm saved, raise your hand. Your job is to be light in the world. Your job is not to be darkness. Our job is not to destroy, it is to build up. Our job is not to look down, but it is to look up and shine the light of God. If you are saved, then we are meant to be a force of light and life in the world. That's what you are. Your service for God's greater purpose is to shine the light into the world. You're a tree of life. How do you do that? Well, you do that by good works. You do that by living for God. But I want you to see the supply of the tree. We are serving God and shining light. But we're looking at this thought of how the fruit is a tree. The supply of the tree is this. I told you this before, and you already know this. We talked about it. Trees produce more trees. In fact, no tree can be born except it be born from the seed of another tree. Right? Now, if I were to ask you, does God need us to save somebody? We'd say no. But God's plan is to use us to save somebody. God does not have to have me to reach you or your family or anybody. But He wants to use me. God does not have to have you to reach your children, your grandchildren, your nieces and nephews, your cousins and friends and family members and your neighbors and your co-workers. God doesn't have to have you to do that. But if He saved you, He saved you with this intention in mind, that He would use you to plant more trees. That is the purpose. The purpose of a tree, 
I told you one is to produce that oxygen. It is that, that life-giving thing, which is that light that God produces through us, that it shines out and it gives light to a dark world that without us would be destroyed. And by the way, one day a trump's going to sound and God's going to pluck all the light off the world and the world is going to go on a one-way path to destruction. And the wrath of God is going to start falling on this planet. Amen. As long as we're here, there's light. One day God will call out the church and that light will be gone. But while we're here, our job is not just to shine light. I know there's a big press for the idea of social gospel, right? And the idea of social gospel is you don't actually need to tell anyone about the Lord. And I, I might be paraphrasing that. Maybe that's not a fair representation for some. But the idea of a social gospel is you just live, light, live right, let your light shine, and people will just automatically get saved. Now that goes with the idea of let your light shine before men and by your good works they'll glorify God. But we're also commanded to go out and do preach and teach the gospel to every creature. So being a good person is not enough to give someone the gospel to produce a tree. It is enough for them to glorify God and say there's something going on here. But it's not enough to plant trees. Planting trees is something that happens by work. It is the producing of the fruit. It is the going forward. And here's a question. Are you saved? Well, if you're saved, then God's design for you is that you would increase the supply of trees of life by producing fruit. History and culture has tried to paint the idea of world missions and evangelism as an evil thing. Now, there's a lot of political things going on in the realm today, and, and all the talking heads love to talk about it, and, and it's, all, it's all culture war and racism and all those things. And one of the casualties of that is that they have, painted, uh, they have painted missions and evangelism as what they call colonialism. They have said that missions, for example, a white man going into a foreign country and preaching the gospel is actually a way of trying to whitewash their culture and destroy who they are and force them to be like us because we think we're superior. That is an uncategorical, it is absolutely a categorical falsehood. It is a lie. It is an, now, I'm not going to sit here and tell you there's nobody that's ever had that sort of mindset, but if they did, they were wrong. The idea of evangelism and missions is not whitewashing, and it is not racism, and it is not colonialism. You know what it is? Fulfilling the purpose for us by God. Our job, amen, our job is to reach others for Christ because you know what's interesting about it? Trees that are alive can't help but produce fruit. Trees that are alive produce fruit. They produce acorns, nuts, and the fruit like apples and oranges and such that then go forward and produce more trees. That's their whole purpose. And if they are alive, they are planting seeds. Does every apple that falls from an apple tree become an apple tree? No. Because one plants and one waters but God gives the increase. The only one who can actually give a tree life is the life giver. That's the Lord Jesus. So if I go out and I take a hundred gospel tracts and I pass out a hundred gospel tracts and nobody gets saved, am I a failure? No, I'm planting seed, I'm watering seed, and I'm asking God to give the increase. Not every seed falls on good ground. 
Jesus taught that, didn't He? There's the hard ground. There's the thorny ground. And the Lord said, but then there's the good earth, that good ground. And what it did is it brought forth a plant, a tree, that produced fruit. The fruit in Proverbs 11.30 is a tree. It is a tree. And we understand that it is, it is sustained by water and light. We understand that it services, that it produces light and oxygen in the world that sustains the world. And we understand that its supply is that it is going for and it is bringing forth more trees. Matthew 5, 16, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Psalm 126, 6, He that goeth forth and weeping, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. This is the truth. A, the fruit is a tree. A tree cannot help but produce other trees because that's what it does. If it is a tree of life, it will produce life. Now, have you followed up on every gospel tract you've ever given out? Have you followed up with everybody you ever saw a Facebook post you put online or anyone you ever told in a shopping market, hey, Jesus loves you? For all you know, that seed that you planted may have gone on to produce a tree of life. Because the tree does not know how many trees have been produced by the seed that it is spreading about. But if we are a tree of life, one thing is an unequivocal truth. A tree of life produces more trees of life. How do we know? The Bible tells us because the fruit, of the, tree, the fruit is a tree. And I want to see this, and this will be our, our last thought. The fruit is a testimony. The fruit is a testimony. Now, what's the fruit? The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. Now, the righteous is a tree of life because trees of life can only be produced by trees of life. Does that make sense? The fruit is not the apple. It's not the seed. It is the tree. And the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. The fruit is a testimony. It is a testimony of our worthiness. Now, that word is used a little bit tongue-in-cheek. Because here's the truth is, none of us are worthy. Where do we get our worthiness? His righteousness makes us worthy. We're worthy because He is worthy. And because He has quickened us together with Christ, we are now like Him. And if we've been saved, then the fruit is a testimony of our salvation. Matthew chapter 7, verse number 15. Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they're ravening wolves. Ye shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so every good tree bringeth forth good fruit. But a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits ye shall know them. Shall know who? The trees. Whether they be good or whether they be evil. Now here is the truth. Every tree produces fruit. Did you hear what I said? Every tree. Now while we know that we in ourselves are altogether unworthy, we, we become worthy by the love of God and salvation through our faith in Christ. His worthiness swallows up our unworthiness, and once that has happened, we become known. Our testimony of worthiness is clearly seen in this. Are we producing good fruit? 
Am I producing good fruit? Amen. This is the testimony of the tree. The testimony of our fruit. Now, here's not what that is. Well, how many people did you lead to the Lord this week? That's a numbers game. It doesn't say that those who are a good tree will produce this many good fruit. But what it says is this. A good tree will produce good fruit. Some people have a greater influence. Someone who is standing and preaching all the time, it's likely that they're going to reach more people than someone who is just going to work and trying to live right and occasionally speaking to someone here and there about the Lord. Because when they stand up and and give the gospel one time, they may give it to 100 people, 200 people. You know what I'm saying? So maybe they have a greater window of influence. But that does not mean that they're somehow a better tree than this one. The, 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 The testimony of a tree, the testimony of the fruit, is that good fruit is being born. Not that this much fruit is being born but the good fruit is being born. So here's the question. Are you producing good fruit? Are you? We think about our salvation. We think about the, uh, the, the surety of our salvation. I believe in eternal security. I believe you can know that you're saved. Amen. And the Bible gives us things that we can know by. How do we know? Because we love the brethren. Hereby we know that we know Him because we love the brethren. If you have a serious problem loving God's people, According to the Scriptures, you might ought to check on your salvation. Now, that's just according to the Scriptures, not me. That's the book of 1 John. Hereby we know we love Him. What? We love the brethren. Well, that's one way we can know. Amen. How else can we know? Well, the Spirit in us, it bears witness with His Spirit that we are the children of God, which means the Spirit of God speaks to us and tells us that we're saved. By what? Our obedience to the Word of God. Faith in Christ, confession, right? Those things that we've done what the Bible says, that the Spirit will speak to us and show us we're God's children, right? That is another part of it. What's another? That you're bearing fruit. That is a huge testimony of your salvation. When's the last time you told somebody about the Lord? Let me ask you something even a little more different. Because here's the truth. We're not always obedient to what God wants us to be. When's the last time the Lord spoke to your heart and said, you need to tell them about the Lord? You know what that is? That's two and one. Actually, you know what? That's three and one. That's loving others. That is having the Holy Spirit bearing witness with you, and it's bearing good fruit. The Lord's speaking to your heart and saying, you see that person at the counter? Tell them about the Lord. Now, if you can calmly say, Brother Paul, I've never thought God wants me to tell somebody about the Lord. You might ought to check on your salvation because we are known by the fruit that we bear. And the light and the life that we have inside of us, if we are saved, we're trees. Are y'all still with me this morning? If we're saved, we're trees of life. And if we're trees of life, there is light and water and life inside of us. And it all comes from Christ. And the purpose of the Lord feeding us that water, feeding us that light, feeding us that goodness is that we could then so let our light shine before men that they would see our good works and glorify the Father which is in heaven. So let me ask you a simple question. When's the last time, not that you led somebody to the Lord, but when's the last time you felt the Lord say to your heart, that preacher's preaching, he's talking to you, you need to repent for not sharing the gospel. The preacher's preaching, he's talking to you, and you need to text so-and-so and ask them to come to church. 
When you go to work tomorrow, you need to talk to that guy or that lady that you see every week and say, hey, you go to church anywhere? I just, you know, I, we go down here. Have you ever been saved? Or, or take your Bible with you and read it at lunchtime and Lord say, do this thing to, to try and, and plant a seed of the Word of God. Is the Lord even working through you? Because a living tree is a part of the vine. He's the vine and we're the branches. And we'll produce fruit. Why? Because we're in Him and He's in us. Abide in me and I in you. That's what He said, isn't it? So that is a sign of life. It's a testimony. The testimony of our worthiness. The testimony of our salvation. That we love the brethren. That the Spirit speaks to us and confirms in our hearts. And that we are producing fruit. Amen. The testimony of our worthiness. Then we see the testimony of our wisdom. Look at the, That's the rest of that verse isn't it, that we read and we quote so often. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he that winneth souls is wise. You could also say it like this, a wise person wins souls. The implication is this, one who does not win souls is not wise. Right? That is, that's what's being inferred by this passage in Proverbs, that he that winneth souls is wise. It goes like this, oh, a soul winner, they're a wise person, but it also means this, a wise person is a soul winner that they are producing fruit. They're not keeping a tally and marking it off and posting a picture on Facebook every time they give somebody a gospel track. But what they're doing is they're sharing the gospel and they're telling others, Jesus loves you. And they're letting their light shine. Why? Because a wise person goes about the work of God trying to win souls. Proverbs 3.13, Happy is the man that findeth wisdom and the man that getteth understanding. They're continuing down through there talking about wisdom Proverbs often refers to wisdom as a she. And in verse number 18 under there it says this, She is a tree of life to them that lay hold upon her, and happy is every one that retaineth her. Wisdom is connected intrinsically to the tree of life. That if we love the Lord and we are wise, we will be about His business in trying to spread the seed of the Word of God and plant other trees of life. Daniel chapter 12, verse number 3, They that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. You know what that says? The wise turn many to righteousness. How do they do that? By shining as bright as the firmament and pointing them toward the only one who can make us righteous. Don't that make sense? Isn't that just clear in the Scripture? James chapter 5, verse 20. Let him know that he which converteth the sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins. This is the testimony of our wisdom. He that winneth souls is wise. Why does that make us wise? Because wise people point others to Christ. Look up here. Wise people point others to Christ. Now, we're, let's be real. We're quick to point others to all kinds of other things. We'll point others to our favorite grocery store. We'll point others to our favorite uh, shopping uh, centers and malls. We'll point others to our favorite sports teams. We'll point others to our favorite films, our favorite TV shows, our favorite games, our favorite sports, our favorite sports teams. Amen. We, will, we, are, we are not afraid to tell people the things that we love. Are we? Let's just be honest. We're not. You can hear someone talking about the Louisville Cardinals, and if you're a UK fan, you just can't help but saying something about it. Like that ugly shirt you're wearing over there, right? 
Yeah, he's wearing a cardinal shirt, just for any of you who want to get offended about that. I'm just kidding. I don't really, I'm not really invested in the Louisville and, and UK uh, rivalry or whatever. My brother is, but I'm not all that invested. But here's the truth. We're not afraid to share those things. We're not afraid to point at those things and make it be known. So why are we afraid to talk about what we would all say is the greatest thing that ever happened to us? If I were to say, what's the best thing that ever happened to you in church? You know what you say? The day I got saved. Better than the day I got married. Better than the day even that I had my children whom I love so dearly was the day that God saved my soul from an eternity in hell. And yet, if I walk out there and saw somebody and I knew, man, they need what I've got, I would withhold it. Out of fear. Right? I mean, I get it, being afraid to say something out of, out of just a battle of Satan in the, in the world in your mind trying to keep you back from doing that. Don't you think it's not a spiritual battle? It is. But here's what James said. Let him know. Let him know out there that every time that you tell somebody about the Lord, if they get saved, if they get converted, you're saving their soul from death. Well, that's a good thing. Right? But not only that, but you shall hide a multitude of sins. Well, that means two things. One, all the bad things they've done, washed away. But secondly, all the bad things that they may go on to do in their life that will only bring them suffering and pain by giving them the Lord and showing them the way to the Lord, you could prevent them from a path that will not only end in their death, but that will be filled with misery and heartache. So why is it wise to win souls? Well, that's enough right there. So how do I love somebody? Well, you love somebody by when they're hungry, giving them food. When they're thirsty, giving them water. When they need clothes, giving them clothes. Somebody needs money, we'll give them money. We do all those things because we love them. We want to be a blessing to them. But the, the one way that we can love them more than any other is by showing them Christ. That's the testimony of our wisdom. And finally, the testimony of our works, and we'll be done. I know I've been lengthy. Let me hurry. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Let's read these verses together. We'll wrap it up here. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse number 6. I've referenced this a lot. Paul said this. He said, they was arguing over whether, well, some say I'm of Apollos, and some say I'm of Paul. And he said this, I planted Apollos water, but God gave the increase. And saying that, he's saying this, none of y'all are from me or Apollos. You're all of God. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. So what does that mean? Well, we've all, we all do things differently, and we've all got different realms of influence, like I said, whether we're planting or watering, or whether we're just living right before the Lord and just talking to people at work, or whether we're preaching and teaching, or whether we're doing this or doing that. All of us that are working together for the Lord, we're all one. That means those we support in missions in other countries, we're one with them in our work for God, spreading the gospel. Those that are here, and we go out and we, we'll give out tracts or invite people to a special service or whatever it may be, all together we are one if we're all working together for the furtherance of the gospel. We're all together in this one thing, that we're all one because it's God that gives the increase. We're laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry. Ye are God's building. According to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a master or as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. Verse 11. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if any man build upon this foundation, listen to this, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, 
Every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. Now Jesus said, good trees bear good fruit and evil trees bear evil fruit. And that good trees can't bear evil fruit and evil trees can't bear good fruit. That's what he said. But in 1 Corinthians chapter number 3, what we have is not a distinction between good fruit and evil fruit. What we have is a distinction between fruit that remains and fruit that does not. Now, we invest our time, our money, our energy into a lot of things. Can I tell you something? Your 401k is not fruit that remains. It's wise to have retirement and all those things. But if you spend all your life heaping up treasures for yourself on this earth where moth doth corrupt, you'll be disappointed. Because no man knows how much time he has. And the truth is, all that you've built up can be gone in an instant. It's fleeing. Riches run away, the Bible says. They flee away from us. That's true. You can spend all your time investing in fun and your finances and different things. We do. We invest our time and our, our efforts and our money and things we enjoy. And by the way, there's nothing wrong with enjoying living in a clean way. Amen. It's a good distinction to have in a clean way. But when we stand before God, God will review everything we ever did. And if all we ever did was build wood, hay, and stubble, when it's tried by fire, it'll burn away and we will suffer loss. What does that mean? It means it won't do you any good. You've got no treasures laid up in heaven from your good works if all your works are for your good and not for the good of the gospel and for the good of others, right? But if we are going about and in our lives, we are trying. You hear what I'm saying? We are trying to produce fruit for the good of the gospel, that is gold, silver, and precious stones. That is the fulfillment of Mark chapter 16, verse number 15. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Well, I'm not a preacher. No, but you know what? If you're, even though you're not a preacher, you can still preach that gospel. What does that mean? I, you can declare it. Let your life declare the gospel. Let your mouth declare the gospel. Let your actions declare the gospel. Because here's the truth. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. That's what it is. And one tree will produce another tree. You know how many, I guarantee you there's people that are in the judgment of Christ will stand before Him and they will find mountains of gold, silver, and precious stone who only ever converted one soul. Like that one who converted Charles Spurgeon. You know his name? Me neither. But the one that planteth and the one that watereth are one. So that one that was there that day and, and did like James said and converted Charles Spurgeon, every soul that was ever saved under his preaching is one with that one that converted him. You see that? Because a tree that is planted and is given life will then plant and give life. 
That's the way it is. What effect are you having? Are you being obedient? Are you living as a tree of life? Because here's a fact, and we're done. Every tree produces fruit. You're producing fruit with your life. Whether you know it or not, people are looking. Your children are watching you. They hear what you say. Amen? Your grandchildren, they're watching you. They hear what you say. Your friends, the ones who don't go to church, they see how you talk when you're not in church. They see how you act when you're not in church. They see what you watch, and what you do, and what you do. Because our lives produce fruit. And not all fruit remains. Some of it is worthless. And that's just true. And, and I'm not telling you that everything you do in life has to be for the kingdom. But I am telling you this. If you are a tree of life, you must produce fruit that remains. You must produce other trees of life. And if you're not doing that, and you have never done that, you ask yourself a question. Is it because I'm being disobedient? Or is it because a tree without life cannot produce the fruit of the righteous? That's an important question. Ms. Brandy, if you could just come to the piano real quick. Thank you again for listening to the Calvary Road Baptist Church Podcast. If you would like to learn more about our church in Shepherdsville, Kentucky, you can find the link to our website in the show notes to www.calvaryroadbaptistchurch.com. We're so thankful that you've taken the time to listen to today's sermon, and we hope that the Lord will use it to edify you in the faith. If you'd like to help spread the word about this podcast, you can do so by leaving us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts, or by telling a friend. Thank you again, and have a blessed day in the Lord. Thank you.